You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello everyone. As always, I'm so excited that you're joining us. We have a great episode planned tonight. Yes, I am excited to be here and I sort of feel like the past couple episodes I'm like living in my element because we're going from David Teague, who is a local writer, um, to David Stradley, another David, um, and he is the um, producing artistic director of Delaware Shakespeare Festival, so that's like the theater side of my interests. Yeah, we're definitely hitting your um, artistic mo uh, in these couple of episodes, which is which is great. Um, there's been far less food than I like lately, so we really need to step up our food game. But you know, a little little break from food and drink for the arts is is good. Um, but I did go eat this weekend. I never, you know, every weekend I eat, guys. Spoiler. But I saw that you went somewhere and you had one of your favorite things, but it was from a new location. I had a smoothie bowl from somewhere that was not Viva Bowls, which um, everyone on the podcast, I think, by now knows. Viva Bowls are my favorite smoothie bowls. Um, I love Kelly. She came on the podcast. She's She just has been such a great advocate for us and vice versa. She was recently with her truck at Firefly. And um, they had some truck mechanical issues, but once they were fixed, once they were fixed, I think the truck is booked completely. There are no availability for the rest of the 2019 season. Wow. So she's really killing it. Um, but the thing I love about Viva Bowls is the you sort of know all of the ingredients. Like they don't really keep anything a secret. Um, and their acai mix, their blend, does not use any added sugars. And that's not true of all the smoothie bowls out there. Um, but it is also true of Stripped, which is the smoothie bowl and whole fruity beverage kind of green juice place at Deco. So I had Podcast Brunch Club this weekend um, with... Um, you know, the rest of the podcast, French Club. And we thought Deco would be really fun because it's sort of everybody can get what they want. Um, and so I've eaten pretty much everywhere at Deco at this point, but I've only been there in the evenings and Stripped is really only open in the mornings and at lunchtime. So I figured this was my, my chance. And so I had, I think it's just their classic, sort of classic acai smoothie bowl. So they blend the peanut butter into the acai base which I wasn't sure how I'd feel about, but it was kind of like a peanut butter and jelly. Like, I like that. It was really good. And then they had, you know, my favorite bananas, strawberries on top. The granola was really good. And they threw some chia seeds on there for me. So it was really delicious. It was a great brunch. That's so nice. I know the last episode we talked a lot about kind of grabbing hold of summer and doing things like go to the beach, plan your vacation. And then, um, you know, this, this past week, kind of that time where you might be slowing down in the office because you have a bunch of coworkers on vacation or you're in between holidays. Um, it's nice to just find little ways to enjoy life. And so, you know, trying out a new smoothie bowl place or um, I, the other night, the other morning, I started my day going to Little Goat in Newark. Um, so it's a local coffee shop and coffee uh, roastery. 
and I haven't been there in a while. I was there when they opened, um, which is now, I think, more than more than a year ago. Um, but so they have some of their unique specialty drinks, and one of them is the cardamom rose latte. I got it iced, and it's just something you can't get anywhere else. Um, I love the cardamom flavor, and then it had uh, like dried rose petals on top, which was sort of pretty to look at. I don't know if it added anything to the flavor, um, but it, I think you might enjoy it. It sounds good. Um, I'm not the biggest coffee drinker, you know. I, I like it on occasion, but I really like when it has like toppings or mm -hmm. like interesting <laughs> flavors. So it sounds right up my alley. Yeah. And then also in food news, even though we're doing a lot of writing and art, um, I saw this article that jumped out at me um, in the news journal. And I, I'm glad that we're going to fit in some food content. So Patty Talrico, who is the resident food reporter at the News Journal, she wrote an article, it was sci-fi meets seafood at Newark area restaurant where robots seat customers serve food. So the robot, of course, has a name. Charlotte um, is a robot and she's one of five um, who are now working. That's in quotes in the article in case, you know, she's a robot. Um, at the new Robot Captain Crab's Cajun Seafood and Bar. Um, and so the owner says he believes that this restaurant, which is um, near Red Mill Road, um, it could be one of the first in the United States to use robot servers and hosts. Hmm. I, um, I just remember I went to a noodle bowl place in Atlanta. I feel like it was very recent, but it was when my friend Alicia had her baby shower and um, the baby's quite old now. Savannah's five and a half. <laughs> a toddler. <laughs> so it was a year or two ago, or like five and a half. Um, and we went to this like noodle bowl, like buffet place. I don't know. It was interesting. So it was like a stir fry place. So you would choose, like you would fill your bowl from the, like mm -hmm. a salad bar kind of thing with what you wanted. And then they would stir fry it. And then when you were done, there was just this wall of like, cubes with little doors and so you when one of the doors is open you would put your empty tray and bowls mm -hmm. and then like the doors would slide shut and magically from behind there they disappeared by the time the door opened again and I don't think robots were involved but it really felt futuristic so I'm I'm nervous about robots involved with food I've been to a conveyor belt sushi place I have done that as well and that I think that's really so it seems very similar like I, I mean the robot is has more range to roam about, but it seems similar in that like she sort of scoots around and has compartments where um, you know, she can deliver your food. So, I don't know, so maybe we'll check it out. I don't know, Charlotte, uh, according to Patty Tallarico, could be the perfect employee, um, but she's a robot. Um, and then another piece of news that I saw that I thought uh, the interns would love to hear um, and you as well, as I know that you're, you're about adopt, don't shop. Um, so almost a thousand pets were adopted, um, at the SPCA mega adoption event, um, that was held in Newark recently. Um, and so that's the good news. So they, so 779 pets were adopted. So cats, dogs, um, the cool thing about these mega adoption events, um, obviously we want more people to adopt dogs, but or and cats, but I will also say adoption fees can be pretty expensive. And, you know, I totally understand the cost of like, you have to go through vet checks. Often 
um, they're spaying or neutering. So like there, there are a lot of expenses that the, these organizations incur. Um, but the fees to adopt can be pretty expensive. I know um, the rescue I worked with to get nutmeg, I think I ended up paying like six or $700 in adoption fees. And some of that was refundable once I had her spayed, but it meant that I basically had to pay for her to be spayed so I could get the money back that it cost for me to spay her. Um, and so I think it's really great when they do events like this because they make that adoption fee barrier a lot lower. So I think it was really low, like a $35 fee, something like that, um, for older pets. And obviously for puppies, it was more because they're, um, a little easier to find homes for than older dogs. But I think it's great and helps more people be able to rescue. It did seem really excited for all of the dogs and cats that found their forever homes. But one thing that jumped out at me, and this is as of the Monday after the event, there was one dog that didn't find a home. And it was, his name is Copper. And he didn't get adopted, but was spending the night with a staff member so he doesn't he, he didn't feel too left out. Delaware Humane Association posted an update um, that he was the last dog and then that he was with the staff member. But I don't know if since that went up, he has since found a home, if maybe it, since being featured, he will be finding a home. So Well, I hope he does find a home soon. Um, for those who are interested, he is people and kid friendly, gets along with other dogs, but he needs a home without cats. So um, you won't be taking him home. Yeah, he's, he's not going to work because, you know, I have the two interns now. <laughs> um, and, but it sounds like he is pretty much house trained. He's pretty well crate trained and he will do anything for food, which in my experience means that he will be easy to train for all other things. So he sounds like a great dog, um, and I'm sure he will find a home soon. So that was one piece of news that was making the rounds on social, um, but there was another uh, famous face. You know, he's been up. cited a lot lately. We're talking about Ryan Philippe, um, and I feel like when he was married to Reese, there were a number of sightings over the years in the Wilmington area. You know, his parents are from Wilmington. They still live here. So he and Reese would come and visit. Um, and then I feel like we went through a dearth of Ryan Philippe sightings the for a number years. of years. It is the dark years. And so then, um, I think it was about a year ago, there was a truck down at the beaches that was getting some attention. And he posted it on his Instagram page and said, mm -hmm. if anyone knows who owns this truck, I'd like to buy it. Like, let me know. And I don't think he ever did find out. So I guess it was not for sale. I think he did find the buyer, but they didn't sell. Yeah. So they, it wasn't for sale. Um, but he has been seen lately. He was at Firefly. And am I right that his son was at Firefly with him? At least his sister was. Or maybe that was a stock photo from another Ryan Philippe sighting. It's hard um, to keep track now. It's hard to keep track. He's been in the news so much. And then there was one more this weekend in Dewey Beach. Yeah, so he starred as the matador at Dewey's running, Dewey's running of the Bull, um, which was something that I don't believe we've covered on the podcast before. You know, we haven't talked about it, and my Instagram feed actually has been full of running of the Bull photos. I had to do a little research on this because I think this is what's really interesting to talk about. It, it is it is um, similar, but also incredibly dissimilar to running of the bulls in Spain. Um, yeah, no, there are no real bulls in this process. Other than there are people and the name is running of the bulls. That is the extent of their similarities. So this is connected with the Starboard restaurant down in Dewey. Um, 
and it starts with people um, partying all morning in red and white garb, as one does at a, a bull festival. Of course. Um, and then in the afternoon, two people in bull costumes, um, they chase bar goers um, down the streets and to the beach itself. Um, and then I, I looked up the history of this on the official therunningofthebull.com website, and I found that, this is a quote from the website, like many great ideas, the concept for the annual Dewey Beach Running of the Bull was largely the product of too much beer. And was, I don't, I, I can't imagine we would let a celebrity such as Ryan Philippe just attend. I feel like he had to have a special role. So he, he was the matador. Okay. The matador is the, the one who waves, waves the red the flag. Eggs okay. the bull on. Couldn't, like, you know, he, he really kicks off the festivities, yeah. it sounds like. So, you guys, there's always a lot happening in the summer in Dewey. So and, it, I, and, you know, it sounds like a silly reason to get together with your friends, themed costumes, beer, crushes. Starboard has my favorite crushes in the state. Plenty of other places do it okay, but no one as good as well, I should say, as Starboard. Um, so, you know, and lots of locals work at the starboard it's a great it's a great institution maybe we'll have to put it on the list for next summer um there's been some various news coverage of it in years past doing like little um dives into like the history or the tradition um and it has uh done some fundraising for um for nonprofits. and so uh, according to now it's just uh and this is from a, a quote from a, a recent attendee it's just good clean fun super silly but super special i think that's great um and I think it's about time for us to talk about some other good, clean fun coming at you this summer in Delaware and chat with our guests from Delaware Shakespeare Festival. So we are now joined by two guests. Um, one of us is here in the studio with us and the other one is on the phone. So as we told you, we have David Stradley, the producing artistic director of Delaware Shakespeare Festival with us. And then we also have an actor, um, Clarice Park, who is on the phone. Um, so David, um, is now, he's leading Dell Shakes and they're now in their 17th season. You might have seen the advertisements for the upcoming Merry Wives of Windsor performance that's coming up at Rockwood Park, July 12th through 28th. Um, and you might've seen Clarice last summer as hero in Much Ado About Nothing. And, um, Clarice will be back this summer in Merry Wives. So we just wanted to catch up with both of you. Um, preview the show, and hear about our local performing artists. Cool. Yeah, yeah, so David, I think you've been with Del Shakes longer than Clarice. Mm -hmm. So do you want to give us just a quick, like, how did you get involved with Del Shakes um, and how long you've been involved? Yeah, so I moved to Delaware to Wilmington uh, in 2002 for a job at uh, Delaware Theater Company. Um, and as someone who didn't grow up in Wilmington, didn't go to high school here, um, when I first moved here, it was just I was just having trouble meeting people and you know finding people to hang out with. Uh, so my second summer, uh, I just saw that this there was what was then Delaware Shakespeare Festival um, had started the year before. Um, they were holding auditions for As You Like, and I was like, oh, well, let me audition for that. Uh, that might be a way to help start meeting some people. Um, so I auditioned. I got cast as, as Jayquees and As You Like It. Um, and I did start meeting a lot of people. It was a lot of fun. Um, uh, I just kept acting in the company for four or five years after that. Um, 
and then I was on the board of directors. Um, and then when the founder stepped down in 2011, uh, the board asked me to step in as artistic director. So, yeah. so you have a, a long history yeah. from almost the very beginning. Yeah, I've been around for every year except year one. So 16 of its 17 years. Oh, yeah. Such dedication. Yeah. And, and Clarice, um, I know this is at least your second year in the summer festival, but how did you hear about Del Shakes and get involved? So uh, last year's director, Bijanyo, was a really, is a really, close friend of mine. Um, and she actually, I think, uh, kind of, we were working on a show at the time and kind of put it in my brain that I should go and audition for the show that she was directing. Um, and I, uh, I submitted, I think. Um, and I was really nervous because it was my first Shakespeare show that I was ever auditioning for. Um, but yeah, I, I got involved through a friend, which is a weird thing to say about your work I think but yeah <laughs> so that's interesting that you say it was your first um experience with Shakespeare, performing Shakespeare yes. um I know David in talking about some of the community tour work that Del Shakes has done I think one of the messages you try to get out is that Shakespeare is for anyone and I kind of I remember hearing a story um that you told about taking much ado about nothing um I think it was maybe to different school children in the area and how they started recognizing like there was one girl who stood up and said, this is me, I'm Beatrice. Yeah, last year with Much Ado, we did uh, a series of community conversations before the play began. Uh, and one of the places we went was Christina Cultural Arts Center and worked with their heart under the hoodie kids. Um, and B, the director, just had uh, all of the uh, costume designs on a, just a, you know, poster board. Um, and just started talking through the characters in the play. Um, and after she'd barely gotten through like two two descriptions of, of Beatrice and, and Hero, yes, this girl was like, wait a second, this is what that girl's like? That's me, I'm like that. <laughs> uh, which is great, I mean, that's what, as, when you start breaking it down, people are very easily able to, uh, to make connections to, uh, to Shakespeare. And, and Clarice is shortchanging herself. That may have been her first, uh, her first time auditioning for Shakespeare, but she was, quite facile with the language oh. and, and jumped right in there. You would, you would not have known it was Clarice's first, first yeah. Shakespeare. Thanks, David. So talking about that, I'm wondering if either one of you, or if both of you have a favorite Shakespeare character or if there's someone that is, like, if you could be that person, who who would you be? Those are two different questions. If you could be one, because <laughs> I think no one would say I'd like to be Richard III. Uh, <laughs> are, are, does that mean you are Richard III? <laughs> do you have one, please? Um, I've, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of this show out loud. I don't. Oh, great. Yeah, no. The house. Yeah, don't worry. This is not a theater. We're not, we don't <laughs> perform. Amazing. Just wanted to double check. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I really love Macbeth. Obviously, uh, that was the name I was alluding to. Um, I really love Macbeth. I think Lady Macbeth, uh, Macbeth's, uh, her track is so interesting and her journey in that play and her role in that play, I think is very fascinating. Um, has a lot of, I think, feminist or anti-feminist implications behind the role. And I would one day love to tackle that role, I think. Um, but I, I don't think I would want to be her, you know? <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> to be honest, there are not many 
Shakespearean female characters I think I would, yeah. I would want to be. <laughs> or, on, I mean, there are a lot of male characters, too, that I'm just like, oh, I don't know about you, sir. Uh, yeah. Like, I really <laughs> love being Sir Hugh Evans this year. Uh, he's a very wholesome character, I think, but also very competent in a lot of ways. Um, and if ever there was a cool priest, I think it's Sir Hugh Evans. So... Yeah, I would totally be down to actually be Sir Hugh Evans. What makes him a cool priest? That's a question I did not expect to be asked. Yeah, is he cool? What makes him cooler than the friars of um, other I, shows? Not to shortchange the other friars in other shows, but uh, Sir Hugh Evans <laughs> is very skilled at fighting, from what I understand, from what we've discerned, um, is, is a knight on top of being the local parson. Um, and it's also just like very, I think despite the kind of somewhat xenophobic and mean comments about his being Welsh and his accent, um, I think is a really well-loved member of the community who is often called upon to mediate different disputes and to be involved in uh, different parts of the community and is actively shown teaching children and delighting and like playing with the kids and whatnot. And I, I think that really makes him like that cool priest that I would see in church sometimes. And I'd be like, you're cool. I want to hang out with you, but you're also my priest. So weird. Uh, yeah. Very Welsh. It's got a cool accent. That's amazing. Did you um, <laughs> did you work on the Welsh accent yes. for, so, uh, for the production? Uh, I I never thought I would ever be asked to do an accent. Um, I'm Korean American and very visibly so. So I assumed that if like after graduating college, I automatically assumed that if anyone ever asked me to do an accent, it would be an Asian one, which I never bothered to learn because I wasn't particularly interested in portraying Asian American characters in such a way because um, I'm Asian American and not Asian. Uh, but um, this past season, I've been asked to do all sorts of accents that I never thought I would be asked to do. So um, earlier this season, I was asked to learn a Scottish accent um, for a show I did with Inishima Theater Company in Philadelphia. Uh, and I kind of used that as the basis for my audition, for the accent I brought into the audition. Um, I watched a lot of Welsh TV to uh, kind of bolster that in a way, because they're not the same accent. I wish they were, but they're not. Um, and throughout the rehearsal process, uh, David has been wonderful um, as our text coach and kind of giving us pointers or giving us material to work with or um, just being there for discussion in terms of trying to like parse out what exactly about the Welsh accent makes it Welsh. Um, yeah. We should also point out that, that yeah. Shakespeare is trying to make fun of a Welsh accent too. So it's... So having a bad <laughs> yeah. Welsh accent is ideal. Yeah. The text for... Hugh Evans is actually written to reflect an accent, I guess. Um, and uh, one of the weird things that Shakespeare did was instead of very, would write fairy. 
so we'd swap out V's with F's um, and just really be like, you really got to hit those F's, um, I think is what he was trying to say. Uh, there's a lot of dropped W's. So instead of woman, there's a lot of woman. Um, it really make any sense when you really look no, at the Welsh they, they like, there's, nothing, there's nothing accurate yeah. about that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Are there extra W's? Yeah. And then we also have a French character in the play. Uh, and our, our um, accent resource for that was just make it sound like the, the French guys <laughs> in um, uh, Monty Python. <laughs> so. I, I took a semester of French in college to complete the global perspectives requirement, um, which my anthropology class, Birth and Four Cultures, did not do, which is shocking. Um, but my French class, my professor basically told us, you just speak with your lips pushed all the way forward all the time. <laughs> and to be honest, my French got a lot better once I started speaking. Um, so we've been talking about directing notes a little bit. And it occurred to me that um, Krista Apple is the director of Merry Wives. And last summer, she played Beatrice in Much Ado. And your character in Much Ado Hero and Beatrice, they're yeah. cousins, companions. I, I think I'm right here. Yeah. Um, and so what is it like to work with, um, like with, with Del Shakes? You have um, these performers and artists who are returning um, to perform it in different plays year after year or season after season. What is it like to work with people again, but in different ways? Um, for me, it's been an absolute treat. Uh, uh, David Pica, who plays the French doctor, Dr. Caius, is also returning this year. And um, we made the connection that last year as Don John, he hated my character hero for no reason, really, um, and tried to ruin her life. Uh, and that the conflict, while not totally similar in Merry Wives, is has like some weird parallels. And we were like, ah, we are now typecast as enemies for the rest of our careers. Um, so it's been really interesting because we've been finding different ways to work with each other. We've been expanding on the ways that we worked with each other last year, I think. Um, with Krista as director, uh, it's definitely been different. She's just on the other side of the table. But I think that with Del Shakes, because it is such a collaborative process, that um, it, it, it never feels out of place or that um, it's wildly different. It doesn't feel wildly different from working with Krista last year. Um, she gave me a lot of guidance last year, um, being the brilliant Shakespearean actor she is. Um, and I feel like I'm just getting version 2.0 of that this year. Since we have both our, I guess not director, but creative ingenue of the um, Del Shakes and one of the actors, I know there's been some coverage of the costuming and the coverage maybe in your own newsletter, but we both read it, so <laughs> there it is. Um, but I know Krista's going for sort of a more modern version. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I guess all the costuming has been done in Mad Men era. So how, and obviously Krista probably is the one who could more speak to that and your costume designer, Lee, but how do you feel like that decision was come to and fits the play and why was it chosen? And then, um, Clarice, how do you feel about the costuming since you're performing mm -hmm. in it? 
Uh, we typically don't, for Dell Shake shows, we typically go more for kind of timeless looks than a, than a particular time period. And we go for a time period, it's typically not kind of mid to late 20th century. But The Merry Wives of Windsor is Shakespeare's most domestic play. And it's really the only play that, that Shakespeare set during his own time and place. So when you look at productions of Merry Wives of Windsor, um, companies frequently place it in you know, a not too distant past because it just, it just kind of makes sense. I mean, I, as I've been watching the play, like it really is like Shakespeare's sitcom, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so 1950s inspired costumes just kind of catch that feeling of hanging out in your backyard and having the whole community gathered about. Um, uh, and, you know, it's it, because it's Shakespeare's, you know, because it's, it's kind of Shakespeare's reality, um, it felt like this was a play that made more sense to give it a reality that's a little more closely connected to, you know, contemporary America. Um, and it's fun. It's, you know, instantly recognizable characters. You know, you see those dresses, you see the glasses. You're like, oh, yeah, I know who those people are. Um, I don't know, Clarice, you made a, a, a priest kind of is always a priest. I don't know how you feel about your, your, uh, yeah, costuming. your, your costuming for. for yeah, I know. mean, yeah, priest is always a priest, I think. Uh, but it is wonderful to have. The yeah. garments don't really um, change. Yeah, essentially. It's weird because there's a point where uh, Hugh Evans, along with other people in the town, kind of band together and put on costumes. And we were realizing yesterday that the costume that Hugh Evans puts on just looks like a monk's robe. <laughs> so we were just like, ah, Hugh Evans never changes. Great. Um, but, like, it is uh, Lee, our... Um, costume designer is a godsend she found me linen pants which is amazing because it gets really hot outside um but i am in all black and i was worried about the amount of heat that would trap but uh yeah lee was great um and gave me short sleeves like again looking at my costume i just go oh what a cool priest i feel like cool priests are always in short sleeves even when <laughs> Yeah, there is a point. There is a point. Our design process starts like March, April, so it's about a six-month um, process for designers. And um, Lee brought in her kind of initial costume designs, and it was very kind of very historic 1950s. So the guys were in suits and ties and sweater vests. Who and, I'm imagining yeah. mid July. <laughs> we were like, those are lovely, and we totally understand your character choice. Is there a summer version of that? And Lee, Lee was great, and she kind of. Not necessarily back to the drawing board, but it's like, okay, how can I capture the same essence of that? But so suddenly, like the two husbands went from being, you know, mad men in their suits and ties to, you know, oh, they're like they're off, so they're they're hanging out in their backyard, so shorts and a you know bowling shirt kind of right. thing. Uh, so it still captures the essence of the time period, but uh, not in sweaters and ties and jackets. Yeah. For July, yeah. Delaware yeah. weather, <laughs> nice. that's a good choice. All right, well, we're about out of time with Clarice, so I just have one last question for you. Which is, what is your favorite line oh that you have in um, this show? Oh, God. <laughs> you sound terrified. You can give us a favorite scene, too, if there's sort of just a sure. dialogue um, you really like. I can tell you Great. my favorite line Clarice has. Oh, of course. <laughs> Be ruled by your well-willers. <laughs> just give up. Syracuse way of saying, you know, be, be ruled by your, the people that are wishing you well. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of, um, 
I think Sir Hugh Evans kind of makes these little jokes sometimes about being a servant of God or um, at like in, in the very beginning, he knocks on, um, knocks on the door of a house and introduces himself by saying, here is God's blessing and your friend. Um, and is kind of introducing himself as God's blessing in a way. Um, while also bestowing God's blessing upon the house too. But um, I, I just really love this character so much. It's really hard to find a specific line, I guess, um, that doesn't give away too much of the plot maybe. Uh, well, I love that one and I'm going to have to use it the next time I come over to Emily's to record the podcast. <laughs> Agreed. Absolutely. Emily rolled her eyes at me a little bit. <laughs> well, Clarice, thank you so much for chatting with us and giving us the inside scoop. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So I'm really glad we got to chat with Clarice. And I feel like ending on our favorite Shakespeare lines from that show or of her character sort of leads us into our game. So we haven't told David what the game is yet, although this will be uh, the second time in recent interviews that he's been asked to play a game, um, as he just he told us. Um, but this is Shakespeare themed, so he might ha- he should have an edge over Emily. Um, Gosh, I hope so, but it's gonna be hard. So the game is Shakespeare or Batman. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, you seem familiar with this. Well, we have, so we have uh, our high school interns um, serve as the wandering bards during the pre-show entertainment. They travel around through the through the crowd and, and develop. They have Shakespeare kind of improv games that they play with them. And I don't know if they've done Shakespeare or Batman, but they've done uh, Shakespeare or Game of Thrones. Okay, oh. that's good. That's yeah. good. We stole this off of Sporkle, yeah. mm-hmm. so we don't want to take credit. <laughs> you can go on Sporkle, Shakespeare or Batman, and there are far more quotes mm-hmm. to play in the game than we're going to use tonight. But we thought it Wait, would be. Did you you download you down so you looked at these quotes? I did, but I did it more than a week ago. <laughs> Emily assures me she doesn't remember. I did it more than a week ago, and Dara gave me one to test, and I got it wrong. So I think. Um, although I think we know that we should have done the Game of, Thro- a Game of Thrones one because then you would have had the edge over I David would have had for the Game edge. of Thrones. Never watched it. But I think we'll be we'll be ready. Um, I promise. Right. This is probably an even playing field if you don't still have the advantage. <laughs> okay, so the first quote. Wait, do we just like jump in? As soon as we, I, this is, is like for you. It's going to be, this is for you, David. And you just have we to can, say, we can play lightning round if you want. You just have to let me know if it's Shakespeare or Batman, and you'll get an extra point if you can like specifically name what it's right. from. Is this Batman like the 50s TV show? All of the Batman. Oh. Batman. So yeah, okay. All Shakespeare, TV. all Batman. Aesthetically... Unconnected. Um, although there there are no quotes from Mary Wives, perhaps because no one would guess that anything from Mary Wives is also in Batman. All right, the first quote coming at you, David. The weight of this sad time we must obey. That's Shakespeare. It is. What show? Do you know it? Uh, we've produced it. <laughs> I think. I'm glad I don't know. It's from King Lear. Oh, that's right. I just saw that. Now, and now he immediately has complaced the scene and everything, and I'm still like, I wouldn't guess Batman. Okay. All right, I'm ready. Emily, I will not become an executioner. Oh, man. I feel like, I feel like it could go either way, which is the whole point of this game. I'm going to say it's Shakespeare. 
It is Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think it could go either way? There is a very similar quote in Shakespeare. It's more like, I would not be that executed. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So, so David is leading. David is one leading. zero. <laughs> back to you, David. Sometimes it's only madness that makes us what we are. Uh, Batman. Yes. Correct again. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not doing well here. All right. Emily, did I finally reach the limits of reason and find the devil waiting? Batman. Yes. I got one. All right. We're, we're two one. I'm not trailing that badly. All right. David, hell is empty and all the devils are here. That is Shakespeare. Yes. Do you know what play? That might be Mackers. It's not. Oh, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Henry IV. It's not. See, but I knew it was Shakespeare. <laughs> it's the Tempest. He's, actually, he's nodding that that is a possibility. Now, <laughs> I now, I'm, kind of, now I'm worried that it's not actually the Tempest. This is wrong. You guys, um, don't. You can pick a bone with whatever user on Sporkle <laughs> created this. All right, Emily. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. Batman. Yes. yes. Rest again. Yes. All right, all right, you guys. We're 3-2 here. David, vengeance is in my heart. Death in my hands. Blood and revenge are hammering in my head. Don't know this one for sure. It's, it's hard. I'm going to go Batman. It's Shakespeare. Titus like Andronicus. Andronicus. Yeah. Okay. I do know there were a lot of Titus Andronicus lines on this one. Apparently it's very similar to Batman. <laughs> Okay. There are All right, this is there's cums, tongues get cut out of mouths. That happens in Batman. That is it is very similar <laughs> to Batman. <laughs> so teaser, if you like Batman, you will really like some of the tragedies. I would say if you like the recent Batman movies, probably not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Like the dark, the dark yeah. ones, the dark ones. The return to darkness, yeah. If you like the, this television show, I don't know what yeah. Shakespeare to recommend for you. Mary Wives of Winter. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. There is, in fact, a, a show coming to you next week. Yeah. All right, Emily, this is the last one. Okay. You could claim the point and tie the game. And then we are we going to have a tiebreaker, like lightning? We'll do a lightning reaction. Sure. Okay. I'm not if, totally if prepared to tie. Okay. Um, I will encounter darkness as a bride and hug it in my arms. I think that's Shakespeare. It is! What show is it from? Measure for Measure. I right. even could not have named that as a Shakespeare <laughs> show, so... Okay, alright, alright, so... Yeah, we don't, have, we don't have any buzzers. Nutmeg, I need your help on this one. She stares at me. All right, I'm no. just going to pick up one at random. Okay, I'm ready. The... Weep I cannot, but my heart bleeds. Shakespeare. It is. Oh, man. All right, what show? What show? I guess I could, I could... Winter's Tale. I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you've seen Okay, Winter's well, Tale. I will concede that David is a superior <laughs> Shakespeare connoisseur. Indeed, and he already has his prize, which is a glass of refreshing root beer from Iron Hill. Nice. Yes, we should mention this because typically we drink wine. We've had a few episodes with guests who are beer drinkers, and we, we drink local beer. Um, and this episode, I you know, I sort of always throw in there, we, we think of the podcast as a casual conversation, just kind of 
typically friends sitting around the table, drinking wine, getting to know each other. And uh, David said he was more of a root beer kind of guy. So I took care of him, went over to Iron Hill, grabbed a growler, was concerned about it rolling around in the car, so I actually had to buckle it in before um, I met up with Dara and she could, you know, cradle the root beer on the way home. So um, it's been quite a refreshing beverage. It's really good. It is good. Um, I should say, although I do not partake, we do we do encourage people to bring wine and, and, and beer to the to the to the summer festival. Man, you're leading us right this in. This is a perfect lead. These transitions are so good. So um, we every so they are always looking for volunteers, and so we'll get to that too. But one of the volunteer opportunities is for the concession stand, where you guys have candy, chips, all those kinds of snacks. Um, you can bring wine. There is a picnic competition, and you can also, I believe, get a pre-made like basket picnic you basket. You can get a pre-made, but uh, Jensen's uh, has like sandwiches and cheese trays. Okay, so they have yeah. they have like bougie picnicky yes. food. Mm -hmm. um, so we're all about the that. Is also encouraged. Doesn't have to be bougie. That's true. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Um, and then you've also partnered with Swig in the past, so you, you like you've done your like season announcement right. parties at Swig. Yeah, in the last two two years, one year, two years, at least two years, they've been our, our festival wine sponsor. So the, the where we sell wine is the, the Swig wine tent, um, and we're trying. It's not official. We're trying to work something out with Wilmington Brewworks for this year because they're mm -hmm. just right around the corner from Rockwood. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah um we're hoping david from swig um we were trying to have him on last month but there was just a lot of we were lucky to get you tonight due to schedules and it is hard um to get guests all the time when we want them for scheduling well, so, his name is david too yes his name is so also david role of david we yeah we, we are to have him and there's a possibility we're going to have him come back for the next episode so we will have three <laughs> davids in a row and i just too can't much, wait to market that um but david's great from swig so we're hoping to have him on soon and um, everybody knows I'm a big fan of Wilmington Brew Works. They're just a few blocks from my house. I'm doing cornhole there. Um, and the guys there are so great. And Keith has his own podcast. So we always like to support other local podcasters. So I hope you guys are able to, to work something out with them because they are a great group of guys. Mm -hmm. So I, I know when we started the episode, Emily, we were concerned that there wasn't, we've had this little break from talking about food and drink, but I think we're actually going to fit in <laughs> quite nicely tonight. I'm so glad we have talked about wine and cheese. So last year was the first year that we attended the summer festival. Mm -hmm. And so we went to see Much Ado, but of course, um, the night that we went, there was a terrible rainstorm. And you ended up holding it at a local church because um, you had members of the local faith community um, rotating through the role right. of Friar Francis. Francis yep. Now I'm getting my, I'm worried yep. I was going to say the wrong Friar. There are a lot of Shakespeare and priests and Friars. There are so many. Um, and so it was, it was still like a unique experience and it was kind of great to see the community come out and still be excited to see the show and then to see um, like their own faith leader perform in his church in a different way. And one thing that I noticed is, so you have this tradition of a picnic contest, and you had some very dedicated picnickers. They still came to the church with their picnics and wanted to be accepted into the, the picnic judging contest. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the contest, yeah. how it came about, and some of the fantastic spreads you've seen And I'll say that those, those, those people that, that did that awesome spread last year at the church actually were the winners of the Jansen's Picnic Contest because they had an amazing spread. And it's like, that was, we're going to salute the dedication. Like, That's true. They were still coming out. Yeah. That is true. 
Yeah, so, I mean, you know, people love bringing their picnic spreads out to, to, uh, to the park in the summer for the show. So, I guess it was five years ago, um, uh, Jansen's came on board as a sponsor, and we tried just doing a kind of one-night picnic contest. Um, and there were some people came in costume, they had, like, manservants. Um, it was wild. Um, but it kind of, it, it, it kind of uh, um, plateaued, like, about four or five people would come on that given night. Um, but there were so, I mean, there's so many great picnics at the festival, so we thought, well, let's just make the entire three weeks the chance, the let's make it a rolling picnic contest. Uh, so now if you come and you have a really nice spread that you're proud of, you can just tell our folks in the box office that you'd like to enter the picnic contest, and we'll send somebody around and takes a picture of their, of their picnic, we post it on social media, and encouraging, encouraging people to, to do that. Um, and it's a lot of fun. You that you win a, you win a little prop, you win a little 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 uh, trophy and a fifty dollars Jansen's gift card, and you can brag that you are the Shakespearean picnicking champions. Oh, what a what a coveted title, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Also this year, so I think this is maybe the first year you've done this, but in terms of partnering with Jansen's, they're having like the Merry Wives of Windsor cheese yes. of the week recommendation. So. Also because I don't drink, right? Like three years ago, I was like, I want to become an expert in something. And I gave my family the option. I was like, it can either be chocolate, coffee, or cheese. Did they vote? Mm -hmm. They voted by what presents they gave me for Christmas that year. I and love it, this. And it was cheese. We um, should do this. And so I've become a cheese fiend, a cheese, I'm not going to say aficionado, but... Uh, so start three, yeah, Henry V was the first year. Um, we do what we call Fine Cheese Fridays during rehearsals. Uh, where I'll select three cheeses <laughs> that's, that, that, that connect to a different character in the play uh, and we'll bring those into rehearsals and just have, you know, we'll start the day by having cheese and crackers that match up to different characters in the play. Uh, and this past spring when I was talking to Paula Jansen, I was like, hey, we do Fine Cheese Friday. Would you guys be willing to like do a cheese of the week? She was like, sure. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. Okay. So some of the, the cheese mm -hmm. options that um, you can grab, or you may have missed, but I'm sure you can still get the cheese and you carry on the, the spirit on your own. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, Falstaff, who is an outrageous, loud, down-on-his-luck knight. Um, and so this is a... Brillat Savaron. Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody likes when I pronounce stuff. You should have heard the time we had an Austrian wine. It did not go well. Um, so that thing David just said, with hot pepper bacon jam. Um, jam was intense. So this is a triple cream dessert cheese of ridiculous extremes paired with a flavor bomb. And then the Mistress Paige character, who is described as the happiest housewife on the block, for whom there is no problem without a solution, and is also the life of the party, becomes... Oh, she, she was the Delice Affenois. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten that either. Um, with apple maple bacon jam. And the love in the bacon jam. jam. Yeah. The pairings. And so it would be a creamy crowd pleaser, complemented by a sweet and savory condiment. I think, They've personally, got, that one's more up my alley. They've gone, all the cheeses so far have been soft cheeses. Um, but oh we have, I have brought other cheeses. ones. So like when last year, last week was the Hugh Evans cheese, so it was this Welsh, Welsh cheddar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Very fitting. Anne Page, the young, the young woman in the play that everyone loves, she was a, her cheese was a, uh, 
honey fromage, uh, fromage blanc goat cheese. Oh, I do, yeah. I do love a goat cheese. <laughs> I wish that Clarice was still here because I'm wondering, do you think she gained any insight into her character <laughs> from the Welsh cheese? cheddar? Most of the, most of the marshmallow stretches, I will admit. <laughs> That's fun. That's I, that I think like fun. we're definitely picking up that there's like a real like community family yeah. spirit just within the company and then also the people who really build a tradition out of coming to Dal Shakes. Absolutely. Yeah, we yeah. find that if people just come for the first time, very quickly it'll become, oh, we have to do this every year. Uh, yes, our that. our friend went with her mother-in-law and um, it's a tradition. They always go now. I think they've been three times now, but after the first time they always go. So... Um, yeah, people definitely become fans very quickly. Um, and for those who are interested in checking it out, obviously you can buy tickets, dellshakes.org. Um, but last year what Dara and I did was volunteered, which was really fun. I think we're planning to do that again. And they have all different needs, box office where you're, you know, checking people in off the list, selling tickets, concessions, um, ushers, sort of floating kind of whatever is needed, yeah. that kind of thing. And the cool thing about that is you can support your local arts by helping the organization to actually put on the event. Um, but you also get to see the show for free, which is for those of us who are bougie on a budget, <laughs> um, is an awesome way to go to something you might not be able to otherwise. That's kind of this, that might be the new Del Shakes tagline. Bougie on a budget. Bougie on a budget. Yeah. <laughs> we use it a lot. We use it a lot. Because we've always, I mean, our ticket prices have gone up a little bit, but it's still, I mean, we're the, the lowest price professional theater ticket in Delaware. Oh, I'm, I'm $22 sure. $22 general admission, 20 for seniors, 18 for students. Um, we try to keep our ticket prices as low as possible so that as many members of the community as possible can come out and see the production. That's right. And I think this is a great time to talk about the community tour because if for some reason you're away or busy for the entire month of July... Which happens. It, it, it does. Um, there are still several more options and like different types of performances too um, that you can still see throughout the year. So you've Romeo and Juliet coming up in the fall, which will tour throughout Delaware. Yep. And then you have two now annual seasonal events, which would be Shakespeare, Poe and Fiends for Halloween. Yep. And Shakespeare plus St. Valentine's, which of course comes up in February. So how yep. did you get the idea to add in and, and mix things up with these different um, types of performances? Yeah, when I um, took over the company in, in 2012, um, the previous artistic director, although she had w started in Delaware, um, she, had, she had moved down to, to Washington, D.C. and kind of came up in the summer. Um, and I lived in Delaware, lived in Wilmington, and I wanted to see if there was just more that the company could do. Uh, so we started just kind of tiptoeing into programming at other points in the season, and we just tried um, we tried this Shakespeare Poe and Friends, uh, or Shakespeare, it was just Shakespeare Poe that first year, because uh, we just did Shakespeare Poe, and then we've expanded to other, other mm -hmm. authors, so that's where the, the fiends came in. Uh, and we were just going to do one night at the drawing room at Rockwood, um, and it sold out, which is easy to do when you only have it for 20 people. Um, that's <laughs> true, yeah. that's true, but, but it's a good way it, to yeah. test if there's was, any interest So we at added all. a second show that year uh, for that, um, and now it's expanded to where we do performances of that at four different historic venues um, all throughout the state. Yeah, I think the first year we went was in 2015. Does that sound right? 2014 or 2015? Mm -hmm. 2014 or 2015. Um, and we went to the George Reed House. 
Mm-hmm. And so we were sort of same thing. We were in the parlor, and it um, it's fun. It feels like a very very intimate mm-hmm. event because um, it's just such a small venue. And we had brought our little hot chocolates. We yes. all had yes. we all had <laughs> something to sip on while we were you know um, scared by all of the great Poe and Shakespeare stories. And I think there are two. Th- so I've seen it a couple of years now. I've gone to different locations, but I think two of the things that you consistently do that I love is. Well, you do a reading of The Raven. Mm-hmm. Of, of course. <laughs> and then the, te- the Telltale Heart, I think, usually makes the talks as well. The short, yeah, we rotate the short stories. It's always, okay. always The Raven. Annabelle Lee kind of is always in there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and then you do a Hamlet. Yeah, there's this, probably from the, close to the same scholarly background as your <laughs> Shakespeare Batman quiz, uh, <laughs> there was a, what was the teacher website? It's, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name now. Um, but there's some teacher reference website, and they have this, uh, they tell the story of Hamlet to the beat of the raven. Um, and we do that, that poem every, every year as part of uh, Shakespeare Poem Feeds. Ah, very fun. Yeah, so I guess you guys are doing Rockwood, George Reed House, is that maintained? We actually, um, because no? we, we condensed, we used, to, um, we used to do two weekends of Shakespeare Poem Feeds. Um, but when we started doing our community tour, which is in the same time period, we realized we didn't have the bandwidth to do two weekends. So we, we condensed to just one weekend of Shakespeare Poe and Fiends. Um, so we go to places that are a little bit bigger so we can fit more people. Because I know um, last year there were definitely were shows at the Delaware Historical Society yeah. right on market, um, which is great. And then you said throughout the state. So yeah, so we're down there. in uh, Old Newcastle mm-hmm. um, at, the, uh, at the Newcastle uh, Courthouse Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're in historic Odessa. Um, literally, it's called the Stone Stable. It's the freakiest <laughs> place you ever see uh, Edgar Allan Poe's short stories. Um, and then last year, uh, we went to Dover, and we're in the old state house in Dover, and we'll be back there again this year. Oh, that's great. So um, for I think we've gained a few Dover followers <laughs> since our day trip and um, episode with the Dover bloggers. So there's something for everybody. And Dover somehow is a lot closer to the beaches than it is to here. So even if you're down in Sussex County, I think it's worth it to make the trip up for something like this. So I think we're actually about out of time. Um, We've been so lucky to have two amazing Dell Shakes people here with us tonight. Um, So with that, I think we'll just give a couple things we're each looking forward to, and then David can give us sort of all the nitty gritty info um, which we've scattered throughout the episode, but we'll round it all up for you guys in one go. Mm-hmm. So we have another guest coming up, which may be a full episode or maybe like a little bonus episode that gets dropped. Um, we are talking to Andrew Schaefer, author of the Obama Biden mystery books. Um, and so last summer, Hope Never Dies, you guys remember he sent us a couple of press copies um, and we, we diligently did our duties mm-hmm. as Delawareans and we read them and let you guys know that they were a fun, quick read, definitely light and entertaining. Um, and he's back this summer with a sequel, Hope Rides Again. Yes, and he is riding again to Delaware. Um, the Hocus and Bookshelf um, is again going to do an event with him. This time it's a happy hour at Drip Cafe in Lantana Square on Friday, July 12th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. So there will be a Q&A and kind of celebration of his book um, with a, like a party, light refreshments, cash bar. There is a $5 cover charge, but I am told that $1 from each cover will be donated to the Bo Biden Foundation. Um, I think last year it got quite busy and they ended up doing two sessions of his Q&A. Yeah, so he did um, 
a Q&A. We were able to go to one of them, which was great. But the Hocassin Bookshelf was, I mean, it was packed to the gills. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, you know, people really enjoyed it. So I'm excited that they're doing something a little bit bigger Mm -hmm. this year. So you are encouraged to RSVP um, Hocassin Bookshelf at Verizon.net. And I think that also leads into another event that I, is a, a light event that I added just for fun. You did. Um, so unfortunately, it does not line up with the festival we have for it because we are known for all of our festivals. So this past weekend was Delaware's Ice Cream Festival, again, up at, up at Rockwood Park. Um, but you can celebrate National Ice Cream Day on July 21st, which is a Sunday. So it's a perfect day for afternoon ice cream. So yeah, check out your favorite local ice cream place. I know we have diligently celebrated National Ice Cream Day at Woodside, um, but then lots of other places like Ice Cream Delight and various creameries. Yes, and um, if I remember, Woodside usually has um, some ice cream eating competitions, Mm -hmm. and they actually usually open up their barns where they do their ice cream to some extent, some of their ice cream production, so you actually can sort of get a walkthrough tour of how everything works, and as always, you can can pet the cow that produced the milk (laughs) for your ice cream in your hand. Um, So that is always, is always fun. So I think with that, we'll turn it over to David. He can give us, again, sort of the wrap up of all the Dell Shake stuff and then anything else he has coming up. Yeah, so Merry Wives of Windsor uh, is July 12th through the 28th. Uh, We perform Friday through Sunday the first week and then Wednesday through Sunday the two weeks after that. Uh, The grounds open 75 minutes before the show for picnicking and pre-show entertainment. Uh, If you have any degree of Shakespeare phobia in you, uh, come early because there's a um, Shakespeare orientation that two of our actors give. Uh, There's a comedy pre-show that kind of gets the plot out there in a silly way. So if you come early and and get those two things, um, you're all set for the play. And uh, Mary Wives of Windsor is one of Shakespeare's silliest plays. So again, if you only think Shakespeare is high and mighty and and, doesn't make silly drinking jokes, then you can come and see Mary Wise Windsor and realize that that is not the case, that um, Shakespeare was not afraid to dabble in the lowbrow as well. Um, that, you know, there is that line, I, I mean, I'm sure he has it in multiple plays, but um, I bite my thumb at you, and whew, what an insult. Yeah. What an insult. We might have to edit that out. That was a little, a little much. <laughs> Do I have to put explicit now? I hope not. Uh, so, also, David, we were wondering. I know that you said like your July is totally packed. Like this is the height of the work season. Um, what are you looking forward to doing in Delaware to relax and enjoy yourself so, after the show is over? Well, I'll say J- July fourth is my one day off the entire month of July, and uh, my my father in law lives in Middletown. Um, so we will go down, and I will just submerge myself in his pool um, for about three hours on on July fourth. Uh, that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. <laughs> um, and I don't, this is not, this is so close to Delaware. We, so I live in Claymont, um, and the Philadelphia Union play in Chester is just like 15 minutes from, mm-hmm. from our house. And um, my wife and I have become, in a very short amount of time, uh, diehard Philadelphia Union fans. So that's, uh, that's also how I go to blow off steam. We, we go, go to Union games and I yell at the referees. <laughs> I can understand that for sure. Um, I know I have a Blue Rocks game coming up. Actually, on your opening night, I'll be in the Blue Rocks, but I am very excited. It is Friends Night. I don't know what that means. We went on uh, Dodgeball Night. We took the cast. Like the movie Dodgeball? Yeah, they had a Dodgeball-inspired bobblehead. Interesting. Um, I do have a Tom Carper bobblehead. 
from the Blue Rocks. And I also, last summer, my mother was so sweet. She, the day we went axe throwing was Mr. Celery bobblehead giveaway. And so she went and bought tickets and stood in the big long line to make sure my brother and I had Mr. Celery bobbleheads. So he's with all my other toys at work. Um, and honestly, I can't wait to see him again this summer. Well, whatever we're doing, I hope that we have some ice cold root beer to enjoy. <laughs> I think we will. So again, um, grabbed a root beer from Iron Hill. Definitely encourage everybody to go see The Merry Wives of Windsor with Del Shakes coming up in a couple of weeks and a ton of other things coming up. You can always follow us on social media. Um, we post a lot of things we're up to there and I, I am going to try to be better. I, for a little while, have been doing um, Instagram stories on Thursdays of kind of things that are happening this weekend that you could do. So hikes that were organized to Hagley or, um, you know, special events, music that was happening at Wilmington Brewworks, that kind of thing. So I will, I will try to be better about that. So you guys have some good ideas for what you can get up to over the weekend, but until next time, bye. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter and The Della Darling on Facebook.